0: It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcon Maniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, and I'm joined this week by my very special guest from the West, the artist formerly known as the champ, Mr. Tyler Walzak. Tyler, how are
1: you doing, buddy? I am doing good. The NFL draft is two days away. It's my one of my favorite days of the year, and I am so excited for this year because it could be amazing and safe or it could be devastation. and I don't know what's gonna happen. Are you talking in terms of like Detroit Lions? Draft I am talking or in terms in of of my Detroit Lions who always seem to uh, screw this up in the draft with the second pick. there's a bunch <laughs> of safe guys to take. Don't reach for a quarterback, just take someone on defense. We have a lot of holes.
0: Well, and that's the kind of the key this year, right? We've been coming off of uh, kind of a string of these uh, first overall, second overall quarterback scenarios. And we're going to get to the young guns a little bit later on. Um, But those positions are a little thinner this year. And it's the edge rushers are kind of leading the charge. Uh, Some edge rushers, some O-linemen, some other defensive pieces. Um, But we've got lots of those rookies to talk about. I'm excited for it because, you know, it's real, actual NFL action happening here at the end of April. And that just, you know, the NFL draft happens. And before you know it, Folk Maniacs, it's going to be time for your fantasy drafts. Um, You might be noticing that uh, our usual co-host, Jeff, is not with us. Jeff is actually down in Florida. He's enjoying uh, some much-needed vacation time with the whole family down there post you know, post-travel restrictions. And uh, so we hope that he's sleeping somewhere on a beach, trying to sleep off his sunburn and enjoying life. And uh, he'll be back with us next week. But we're happy to have you, Tyler. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, If you're new to the... Yeah, sorry.
1: Let's say thank you so much. And let's just hope that whatever Airbnb or hotel that Jeff is at, that the basement doesn't flood.
0: Oh my goodness! Don't even, (laughs) don't you put that on him, Tyler? (laughs) Don't you put that on him? Um, Yeah, if you're new to the show, Falkmaniacs, Maniacs, welcome in. We're happy to have you here, and uh, hopefully we can help you out as you get ready for the 2022 fantasy football season. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure that you download, subscribe, and rate and review the show wherever you can. That helps us out a lot. And more important than that, it's that it's that time of year. It's time to share. People are slowly getting interested if they've been kind of out of the football frame of mind. They know the draft's happening and uh, there's going to be some excitement depending on what their teams do. There's going to be some excitement in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues and things happening. Um, So anybody that you know that's a big fan of fantasy football and a big fan of having fun, make sure you tell them to check out the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. And uh, as always, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email the show at fantasyfalconfootball@gmail.com. at gmail.com. As well, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FalkmaniacsFootball or leave us a voicemail in the uh, show description. And uh, before we get started here, as we've been mentioning the last few weeks... If you're into Formula One at all and you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, make sure you check out the Pit Stop podcast. Uh, it's actually a pet project of yours and a couple of your buddies, eh, Tyler? And uh, and they're climbing up the charts. They're doing great. And there's a new episode out today, Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. So check them out. It's awesome. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's uh, if, if you're an avid F1 fan or you just watch highlights or a race or you just watch the stuff on Netflix, check in it's just a bunch of guys that don't know much talking about some stuff they think they know about
0: yeah well that's it man that drive to survive is uh you know i was always kind of a casual observer until that show came out and uh jeff's been talking recently he and a few of our uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen league mates have been getting into the show now catching up on the past few seasons uh so it's really it's really taken off and uh you know it's it's uh nice now more than ever we have access to watch these races you can find it wherever whenever you need to so yeah check them out for sure all right let's get to some football talk though let's get things started with the opening kickoff
1: opening kickoff
0: So, you know what they say, the best way to kick off some football talk is to talk about baseball. Um, I don't know if you've been following this story, Tyler. I know you said you were saying off air you had a busy day out in the yard work today, but uh, one of the biggest stories the last couple days was the umpire performance from Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, Aniel Hernandez, who, if you're uh, a fan of the game, you're, you're very familiar with that name. He's lovingly referred to as the worst umpire in all of baseball, Um, And he was putting on a clinic of his skill set in the Phillies Brewers game. Overall, he missed about two dozen calls. Um, He was calling strikes on the plate with a 75% accuracy rate, which is not great considering the league average is about 90%. Um, And one of the biggest stats that really stood out from this game was that six batters were called out on strikeouts. And in all six cases, the uh, the final pitch that struck them out was actually a ball. So six times people were called out on strikeouts and all six times it was not, in fact, a strike. Now, Hernandez is obviously not the only umpire making mistakes and not the only official in sports making mistakes. But this has really reignited the debate over, um, you know, robo strike zones or robo umps. Um, I want to know where you stand on this, Tyler, not just for baseball, but, um, you know, for all the major sports. Are you are you in favor of using digital review or using um, like digital sensors uh, to make sure that these calls are correct all of the time, or are you more of a believer in like the human
1: element, the human error factor in the sport? I think that if you take Hernandez out of the game and go with that ninety percent league average of accuracy rate for calling strikes, I would prefer to stay there, but. I would like the assistance of a robo strike zone or a robo ump. It is a nice thing to have that presence behind and just be like, it's It kind I, I of, don't, I don't know. I feel like it would make the game a little bit faster, but it also makes it like, okay, this guy's got a wide strike zone today or he's got a tight strike zone today. It makes that day a little bit different, which is a, like a little more frustrating for like, I don't know, an average fan. Um, the stuff that's happening with Hernandez should been out of the the game a long time ago. He it's, I don't know how you can be called the worst umpire in all of baseball and still keep your job over the last five years. And everyone who's who watches baseball that has a team that they enjoy when he is behind the plate, you know, there's going to be just a brutally called game. Um, and it's not like, I would say baseball officials are the best officials at one thing. And that's calling um, people out at first. When like their accuracy rate at calling people out at first is tremendous, and it's something that I actually look at. I'm like, wow, I can't believe he got that right. Because on, like watching on replay, I'm like, I felt like he had the wrong call, and then it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, But it's it's stuff like this where you you can't have that drop with one umpire. Keep him behind the plate when the league average is ninety percent. Um, and it, it even past that, like, I, I don't know, umpires in baseball kind of want to make it about themselves a little bit too. You saw this in the playoffs last year, Giants-Dodgers game five or game seven. It was a uh, elimination game and they, there was a batter with two strikes, one ball and a questionable pitch came across where he thought he might've not checked his swing. And they went to the first base um, umpire and he called them out. And I go, why why even put yourself in the position to make that mistake? Like, it's the, it would have been the second ball if you just said, ball, like, let this continue. So the baseball does have to do something about the strike zone and these robo um, robotics or whatever you want to call it, uh, replays. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's very frustrating because every other sport in the world has taken advantage of, of replay.
0: Yeah, they have, and that's the thing. And I, I do understand, you know, one of the mandates that uh, particularly baseball has had is speeding up the game. And I can see times where, you know, that would potentially speed up the game, but I can also see lots of potential for that to slow it down and really kind of kill the excitement. Um, now, I will say, with some of the other sports, you know, they use the video review, and it, it definitely does kill the momentum. But sometimes, like. I almost watch the review and then they make a call that I can't believe. Like how many times yeah. in a football game or in a hockey game when they're reviewing, you know, did he make yardage or did the goal, did the goal cross the line or did whatever. And they come back with a call and you're just in disbelief. Like it's almost worse. It's almost worse than if the ref just made the wrong call that they've now stopped the game for five minutes blathered on and on you've watched the play a thousand times and then they come back with something that just like doesn't doesn't add up doesn't make sense um so obviously there's that factor to it too um and there has to be some kind of limit right like the the one that always sticks out to me with hockey is is reviewing offside when there's a goal well the offside might have been you know a minute and a half earlier it had no effect on the play whatever but now they've opened the door where this can happen um, I guess the I guess the trick of it is in this day and age, we have the ability, we have the technology to do this and make sure that things are right. And, you know, I, for one, would hate to be on the side of a team in one of those big situations where you had a wrong call go against you and you had that, you know, take away. A victory or take away a chance to win or put you in a position to lose. um, You know, both of us are long suffering Maple Leafs fans. And I just, you know, I think back to as a kid, um, the first, I'll tell you, the first professional hockey referee's name I ever learned and remember was Carrie Frazier. And it was 100% because of the call. We've talked about it on this show the missed high stick, Wayne Gretzky on Doug Gilmore, Drew Blood, no penalty, ends up. They tie that game, win, and then Gretzky wins it for them with a the hat trick in game seven. And, you know, that crushed my eight-year-old soul, and I'll never forget it, and I'm sure Kerry Frazier won't either um, in, a, in a great career, um, one kind of blemish. Uh, but these things happen, and, uh, you know, you you kind of have to go one way or the other with it, I think. You can't go halfway and say, well, some of the time we're going to check it out and make sure we're right, but some of the time it's just going to be plain wrong. You either just have to say, you know what, this is part of the game, it's always been part of the game, human error, we'll do our best kind of thing, and we'll make, like, a guy like Hernandez, I agree with you. This guy's been umpiring for 30 years, and he's mm-hmm. now, for almost a decade, been consistently called the worst. Um, And obviously they have a strong union, but at what point do you just say, okay, you're not behind yep. the plate right now, or you're on yeah. suspension, or you're, uh, you know, you have to go to mandatory training and go down to double-A, um based on your performance being so much lower but that's you know that's a whole other side
1: issue um but even or- the nfl now like nfl to go back on like slowing down a game or speeding up a game the nfl now has the option where the like new york just looks at it and before anyone can even challenge it the referee it, it gets into the referee's ear like hey you made a wrong call you got to make up you got to stop the game and make up for the this call and they implemented this last year and it worked great it was like oh wait what's happening oh okay they're getting it right instead of having to actually challenge the play
0: yeah see and i do like that i like that but there has to be a look on you know if we're getting football specific here there has to be a look on multiple things you know that i've heard it said many times that if you called every violation in the nfl you'd have a flag on every single play and that may Mm -hmm. be true there's a lot happening there's a lot of moving parts But some, you know, you look back at some highlights, the egregious offsides, like, you know, false starts or defensive offsides that should just negate a big play before it happens or a big defensive stop before it happens. And these things go unchecked on the regular, which, you know, always blew my mind as a lineman. You've got an official on either side and behind you watching for exactly that and no one sees it. Um, But you have that eye in the sky. It should just be kind of an automatic thing. But, you know, those big... The missed pass interferences or the mi- whatever it is, right? I agree with yeah. you. If you've got that ability, um, you know we should we should be looking to do better. Um, we should be looking to kind of keep the game based on the players, not based on um, those officials kind of making it about themselves.
1: One hundred percent. And but you know what's more frustrating than that is the fact that you started this show off with a baseball conversation <laughs> that wasn't about. Miguel Cabrera hitting his three thousandth 3, home run or sorry three thousandth hit on Saturday.
0: Oh, I, you know, let's I give, give him some props. Goes, no, I, give, give, I will. I will. Mr. I was, Tiger. <laughs> Mr. Tiger, I like that. I was going the New York Yankees route. I was gonna. He had his chance, and I was just gonna walk him and uh, and say, not on my show. But, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, good for you, Mr. Three Thousand. Congratulations, you know. Congratulations, one of the, the all times great for sure.
1: We love you. We love you. Not me, but yeah. All right, let's keep
0: moving along here, buddy. Uh, We got some news to get to. Let's hit it up.
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: It's time for Fantasy Football News. Uh,
1: Just after you guys posted last week's episode, one of the rumor mill items came true. Uh, Wide receiver slash running back Debo Samuel, wide back, requested a trade from the uh, San Francisco 49ers, allegedly. Now, the team, for their part, has insisted that they're not going to trade him. Uh, John Lynch is the GM, and he keeps saying it's too valuable to trade. Why would we do that? Um, But word keeps leaking out, and of the interested teams, we have the Jets, the Packers, and for some reason, which (laughs) I don't know how I feel, the Lions are also interested in the Lions are nowhere close to wanting to need him. Also, why would, if he doesn't want to play for the 49ers, who were in the playoffs last year, I don't know why he would want to go to the Lions.
0: Well, and that we don't know why this is happening, right? <gasps> the, the rumors that we talked about were that, the rumors that were flying around was he wanted to be paid higher than any non-quarterback. And, yes. uh, you know, the the Jets and the Lions right now, they're not paying a lot of talent, I guess. So maybe that's, that's more about it. But uh, of those three situations, you know, one of those things is not like the other one. Might yeah, and one first. of those
1: things is his one season versus other two seasons. Yeah, that's he's fair. had one great season. I don't understand why he can't just play out his final rookie contract and then be like, "This, I have two back-to-back seasons. I did it." Um, I I don't know. He's had one good year. He remember we talked when the last time I was on here. We talked about how he was drafted like the seventy fifth wide receiver or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so interesting stuff, but another wide receiver, AJ Brown, still not at voluntary workouts, uh, but, uh, both Vrabel and GM John Robinson have denied the rumors that Brown could be on the trade block. Um, Brown is seeking an extension as he enters his fourth year of his rookie deal, um, which is, again, this is a big wide receiver offseason. So a lot of things are still going to happen, um, throughout this off season. Um Speaking of things happening, not at the wide receiver position, but Kyler Murray's saga seems to have slowed a little bit. The QB insists he wants to win a Super Bowl with Arizona, uh, and the team keeps saying that they're not going to trade him. Obviously, he's Kyler Murray. Um, interestingly, Kyler speaking out came on the heels of former Cardinals Patrick Peterson and Chase Edmonds saying in an interview that they felt that the team had not set him up for success, nor given him the pieces to be a consistent winner. Um, Murray wants to win, but also wants an extension as well, and I believe he has one year left on his current deal. Um, And that team right now, their defense is pretty good, and they have some weapons on offense. So I I think probably the best spot for him is where he's at. Um, There's no timeline for Chris Carson's return from neck injury. Uh, Rashad Penny showed well last year down the stretch, very well, actually, down the stretch, if you look at his fantasy numbers. Uh, He remains to be seen how uh, Seattle addresses the position It remains to be seen how Seattle addresses the position and what their offense actually is going to look like next year. They have a bunch of question marks.
0: Yeah, they do. And, you know, Penny, it was great that he finally came through. Like, this is a first-round pick for Seattle that, you know, had constant injury problem. And Chris Carson was kind of the surprise at that point. Um, He's been a viable fantasy option for the last few seasons. But, uh, you know, in, in this case... It has fantasy relevance, absolutely, but, uh, but more so we just want, you know, for his quality of life, we want him to be able to recover. Uh, whether or not he returns to the NFL um, from this neck injury is, is kind of mm-hmm. secondary to this, so, uh, you know, all the best to him for sure. Uh, the Giants. Uh, looking at the rumor mill, one of the one of the hot button players. This guy was like waiver wire magic. Everybody was spending their whole budget after his big blow up game last year. Kadarius Tony, the first round pick last year at wide receiver, speedster, playmaker. Uh, he has now reported. He reported yesterday, I believe, to the voluntary workouts, but he skipped over a week of it. Um, And he is kind of at odds with the team. He had some issues in his rookie year. Uh, Some were not his fault. He did deal with a bunch of different injuries, um, mostly bumps and bruises kinds of things, abdominal strains and this and that. He did have two separate bouts of testing positive with COVID. Um, but I guess outside of that, there were some big issues that the team was not very happy with, um, showing up late for workouts and meetings, um, having a lack of playbook preparation, which I can tell you, even at the collegiate level, that is a great way to make your coaches and your teammates just furious with you when you show up and you've had homework to do and you are not prepared. It's just a waste of everybody's time and it throws the whole game planning off, um, Obviously, we remember in that uh, you know that key matchup with divisional rival Dallas. He he kind of s- threw a punch, kind of snapped almost for not much of a reason, and got himself ejected very quickly. Uh, that was on the heels of one of his um, one of his injury absences. So. It sounds like New York is trying to work it out, but there are rumors that they're shopping him around. Now, I don't know what you're going to get for this guy. I don't. You're not going to get a first-round pick back that you just spent last year, right? Like, I would guess you're looking at probably, I don't know, a third-round pick. Is that enough of a return if this guy is a real problem? Um, or is this a decision that he could easily go somewhere and figure it out and become a star and and this really bite the Giants in the butt? What do you think?
1: I wouldn't give up more than a fifth round pick for him. You can't, Ooh. like, uh, he's the rookie wide receiver. Do you know how many wide receivers out there right now are super talented? Like, there's Jarvis Landry still out there. Um, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. Why would you give up a second round pick for Kadarius Toney when you can also find another wide receiver in this year's pick? Seems like a guy that doesn't want to be in the NFL. Um, because of his behavior and his lateness and his lack of playbook preparation, why would you want him on your team? I'd, I wouldn't want him on my team, especially the playbook part. Like You are a rookie. You're supposed to come in and prove yourself to, your, to nobody else except for yourself and your teammates. And if your teammates see that you're putting in the work, they're going to play harder for you. They're going to give you the ball more. But if they see you not putting in the work, then you're not going to get the ball. And as a wide receiver, that's the only thing you need to succeed
0: yeah well that's it like it's obviously you know an immaturity thing and you hope that this guy like we have many examples of of guys who struggle with that early in their career and then kind of get in order but you're right there's there's a lot of talent out there there are a lot of wide receivers out there that are buried on their team's depth charts and uh you know a move to another team could help them out help them rise up the ranks Um, I always think when you when you think back to young players and not being prepared, I always think back to the story about Jamarcus Russell um, and (laughs) they gave him the game tape to study and he came back and said, oh, yeah, 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 I studied it. I'm all up on it. And it was they sent him home with blank videotapes because they thought he was full of baloney. And uh, yeah, he was. Um. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it myself. It's it's not a pleasant thing. So hopefully he gets it figured out. Um. And for the Giants' sake, you know, if they want to turn things around, you can't just be giving up on on pieces like that that you've invested in. Like if they thought he was worth a first round pick last year, um, and they've got an opportunity to add to that offense uh, that struggled with health and and lack of talent last year. Um, I think you got to keep him around and see what you can do. All right. Very quickly. It's time for the annual Tom Brady restructured his contract and made almost 10 million extra dollars in cap space headline. This guy does it every year uh, while other quarterbacks and, and positional players are fighting over who's the highest paid in the league. You know, he just quietly takes his millions in bonuses and uh, signing bonuses and future assets and makes room for his team to be better, be better so that he can add another ring. Pretty soon, he's going to have to have another finger surgically implanted onto his hand, I think, to make room for all those.
1: He'll make a big one for his wrist. Also, the salary cap means nothing in the NFL.
0: We can no. agree on that, right? Oh, salary cap means nothing. Contracts mean nothing. Like, that's the thing with all this. It's it's so ridiculous because now I guess we're seeing more and more guaranteed money. But the reality is you can sign for whatever you want. But they're going to structure it in a way that if in two years they don't want you around, they're going to get rid of you for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a farce. The like the Rams were had zero dollars in salary space, and then just kept signing everybody, and then oh, all of a sudden they've got lots of room. No problem. We can keep keep on getting more. No issues whatsoever. All right, the Jets Jets they are all in on their second year quarterback Zach Wilson. Now he had some big issues last year. Uh, he there were some questions about him because he hadn't shown it for a long time in college, coming out of BYU. He struggled with completion percentage. I believe he was around 55% on the season. Uh, Threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns, which, you know what, he's a rookie quarterback. The Jets were one of the worst offenses. They were a a bad run-blocking team, a bad pass-blocking team, a bad rushing team. Um, They had their own injury troubles. Wilson missed some time. Now they did have, I think, three other quarterbacks who came in and all had moderate success, uh, where Wilson kind of didn't. Um, but you know he's he's a good playmaker when he when he's on fire he's got arm strength so they're hoping to turn things around now like you mentioned they're rumored to be in on Debo Samuel they've got two picks in the top 10 this year to add to their team they've got uh, Elijah Moore who was really you know one of the top rookie stories before he got hurt last year coming back at wide receiver and should be healthy so hopefully for Zach Wilson uh, better days are ahead. All righty. Rounding up the news here. Alvin Kamara, he had a hearing scheduled for this week. So this is obviously due to the assault charges, the felony assault uh, from the Pro Bowl weekend. Um, His hearing was scheduled for this week and it's now been moved to August 1st. Do you hear that sound, Tyler? That's fifty million fantasy football managers screaming because this guy—we're not going to know what's happening until well into the preseason and well into fantasy mm-hmm. draft season. This is risky. Are you like—are you willing to even put your name down on the waiting list for Alvin Kamara, or are you just
1: begging your league to push the draft later? I'm surprised that the New Orleans Saints lawyers haven't been like, "No, no, no, you can't. It's gonna be no. You can't go from." this week to august 1st we need a june or a july to figure this stuff out we've got a business to run and he is essentially our best player uh so it's that was shocking when i heard that i was like are you kidding me that's like that is so that is probably what like august is probably the worst time to have that hearing schedule and i don't even get this
0: man they have like a few minutes of security footage, he's already admitted that he was involved. He said, Oh, I threw some punches because I thought the guy was running away. Okay. That doesn't really warrant throwing punches, but whatever. But they're like, we need four more months to review the security footage. Like what have you not seen since February? What, what's so confusing about, you know, I think there's four people involved in the charges. Um, I'm I'm really puzzled as to why at this point when it was just about to happen, um, obviously there's some some last minute finagling. They must have had a good bird lawyer involved. All <laughs> right, bird the, lawyers are good. Oh, they are top. Um, the Packers they say they think Sammy Watkins has quote some juice left. I hope they think that since he was the big acquisition so far to replace uh, Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, you know Watkins. We talked about him a few weeks ago. He has done it at times. He was, I think, a fourth overall pick in Buffalo. He had a great second half of that first season. He had a he had a really strong season there. Um, He did show up a little bit when he went over to the Rams and then kind of got buried. It never really worked out for him. He always had one or two big games with the Chiefs, but uh, you know, there's worse situations to be than Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball and potentially being the number one wide receiver, but. Do you think the Packers are actually going to do what they never do and and acquire some top end pass catching talent in the draft this year? I think they use their first two picks on wide receivers. Well, that's every year that's what we keep saying that they should be doing but uh they either I think
1: they I think they will. I like I think that <laughs> Rodgers signing. I yeah, I think they have to like They have to. You can't have (laughs) Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, your best wide receivers. No. Sammy Watkins might have some juice left, sure. But if I let my drink with an ice cube sit there for half an hour (laughs) and the ice just melts into like the little left of lemon or whatever, it's still it's not juice, it's just water that's melted.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure it's juice he's got, it's like drink. It's not orange juice, it's orange drink watered down watered down orange drain couple dead ants floating in it i wonder if when rogers re-signed part of the contract was he said i get to make the first pick i get to walk up and i get to say whatever name i want at the podium yeah that would be it'll a be a wide
1: receiver it has to be a wide receiver does it not need it has to be it has to be a wide receiver yeah
0: or maybe jordan loves replacement who knows All right, last one here, the Packers.
1: This is actually big. The
0: Packers were rumored this week to be in on Darren Waller, the stud tight end from the Raiders. Uh, Apparently, he actually was part of the original trade negotiations. Um, But the problem is because Devontae Adams was was, uh, franchise tagged, there's a rule that you can't, apparently you can't trade a non-franchise tagged player for a franchise-tagged player. So it mm-hmm. basically washed Waller out of this. Um, so, you know, they're pushing to acquire, so it would mean more assets for the Raiders, but uh, Derek Carr doesn't believe it. He saw the report on Twitter. He retweeted it and commented, LOL, no chance. Um, I'm sure the Raiders feel, as a team, that they would be better off having Adams and Waller as as kind of twin weapons in that offense. And really, for what they've got right now, you're not looking too far in the future. You're you're hoping to shore up what you've got now, take advantage of Adams in his prime, and
1: uh, and get something going there in Vegas. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't keep Darren Waller and Adams. Both those guys need to be double teamed. That's right. Keep then it's, to then win. it's Hunter you're Renfro in a, time. In the, you are now in the toughest division in football. You can't afford to let Darren Waller go. No. If you want to win. If you want to win. That's the question. But also at I guess. the same time, who is Derek does Derek Carr have the clout to be like, hey, you can't trade Darren Waller? Who well, is Derek
0: Carr? He just sweet talked his best buddy Devontae Adams into coming to play for them, so maybe they own one, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Ah, we'll see what happens here. It's a crazy <laughs> it's a crazy time here, man. It's uh I'm expecting some trades happening around the draft. I know there's been some rumors that Baker Mayfield might be traded partway through the draft. Um, But uh, we'll see what happens here. I'm excited. Anyways, that's all the news this week. But let's get over to the happiest place on turf, the Falkamaniacs fan zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
1: Welcome to the Falkamaniacs fan zone.
0: I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan.
1: We're not worthy. We're not.
0: So last week we had our first official mock draft and our last one before all the rookies find their homes. And as always, we put out the Team A, Team B results to see what people thought. And as always, most of the support was with Jeff's team—about sixty-five percent, two-thirds of the respondents. Um, you know, talking up Team A. And honestly, getting feedback from some of our friends, some of our league mates, and even some uh, strangers on the internet, I heard a lot of the exact same comment that you made, Tyler, in our league group chat, that they don't love my Christian McCaffrey pick. So tell me, man, where does he stand for you right now? I had one guy on Reddit telling me, like, anyone who takes him before the fourth round is a fool, which I think is insane, Um, it could be a bit of a reach and I told you it was probably wishful thinking because I do have, I traded for CMC in two leagues just before his, uh, his final injury bout last year. But where do you think he stands? Like, is he still a first round pick this year in your eyes or is that too risky?
1: I think he could be an end of the, like, like 11 or 12. I don't know if he's a top 5 guy. My problem with your CMC pick was who was left on the board and then who you coupled him with. So you were between if I remember this correctly listening you were between CMC and Najee Harris. Mhm. So this is probably the only time where you probably should have been a homer and taken Najee because Najee's there like he could be the best running back in the league next year. And CMC just going to get hurt again probably there's more of a guarantee with with Najee at this point even though he doesn't have a quarterback but you can't use that excuse because Carolina doesn't have a quarterback either
0: no and that's true but I my worry was a few things with Najee my worry was one you know he finished where he finished based on volume he had a great rookie season but it wasn't you know it wasn't based on massive exploding week winning every week he had longevity he stayed healthy and he touched the ball a ton and i know that they're going to try and scale that back a little bit they don't want to they don't want him to become the next cmc basically they don't want him to be the guy who's so heavily used that his body breaks down too early um and there's a lot of moving parts on the steelers you know i love the steelers but i <laughs> When our top quarterback option is Mitch Trubisky, I have there's a slight concern. Let's say there's I'm gonna need a stiff drink on Sunday mornings before
1: I can tune in and watch. Um, Do you trust Do you trust Mitch Trubisky as much as you trust Sam Darno, or maybe possibly Baker Mayfield? Well, no,
0: I guess I guess roughly as much, I suppose. Um, But I'm less concerned about that with. CMC than I would be with Najee, I guess, all things being equal. Now, the obvious thing is that all things are not equal because one of these players just touched the ball on 99% of running back touches with perfect health, and one of them has missed the better part of two seasons with injury. Um, so, you know, it, it probably was a little bit of trying to put good health karma out there. Um, I haven't heard too much from McCaffrey's camp except that he feels good and he's feeling ready for this season. And, uh, you know, in the two leagues that I acquired him, I gave up a lot. So it's basically either going to go really, really good or really, really badly, depending on uh, his health is going to dictate a lot of my season. So if anybody's listening from the LaRange Couch Potatoes League or the Silver City
1: Super League, CMC available for trade. Well, here's the other thing with the mock draft that made me choose Jeff's team over yours is who you paired him with as a running back. It is okay in, I think, in a fantasy football league to reach for a running back in the first round if you then take another running back that's more of a guarantee solid in the second round. You didn't do that. You went with CeeDee Lamb when you had Joe Mixon still on the board. Oh, no, sorry, Joe Mixon was gone at that time. Yeah,
0: it was, it was a situation, honestly. and Aaron I, and I, Jones was there. Yeah, but I don't – you know what? I don't love Aaron Jones. Like, I, I felt better with getting James Conner, and I felt better with getting CeeDee Lamb with Noamari Cooper in Dallas and a healthy Dak. Debo was still there. Well, Is he going to be anywhere, though, or is he going to be playing for the Lions? yuck duty. Hey,
1: if he plays for the Lions, he's
0: getting the <laughs> ball
1: 100% of the time. Well, that's true. With a good true. offensive line. With that's With a good true. offensive line.
0: And he'll be the number one wide receiver and the number one running back. Swift will have oh, to yeah. be on the bench. Um, yeah, no, for sure, man. It was, you know, it's, it's always a fun exercise. There was, uh, there was a lot about my team that I didn't really like. Um, I liked that I, I, I reached up and got the tight end that I wanted right away. Mark Andrews, um, which we talked about, uh, kind of at the outset of our episode last week, you either got to go and get one of those guys or kind of leave it till the very end. Um, now knowing that Jeff got, TJ Hawkinson in the sixth round I didn't feel so great about that pick anymore so you know what but this is what it's all about get out there and do those mock drafts we talked up sleeper as a platform you can do them really quickly with AI Um, I know the other platforms probably wherever you're playing fantasy football Fulcomaniacs offers mock drafts and you can do it with live people Um, sleepers, a lot of fun because it's quick and you can also get your friends to sign in and you can do it together, but it's running these things through ahead of time before your actual draft day. You know, it's seeing what happens if I go running back, running back, running back. What happens if I, if I'm at the end of the first round and I just take, you know, Cooper cup and Jamar chase, um was my first two picks what's the rest of my team going to look like it doesn't give you an exact strategy um but it gives you kind of an idea of what you might be looking at in each of the rounds and let's be honest it's just a
1: heck of a lot of fun too yeah and but i i will say one more thing about this mock draft you guys did before (laughs) we move on is man jeff just is addicted to trey lance Oh, it's ridiculous, man. It's he ridiculous. might not even. He could
0: potentially not start a game again this year. We did a, we did a ten player, we did a ten player mock draft, and he took two quarterbacks, and one of them was yes. Trey Lance. Like, yuck. That alone. <laughs> yeah. See, and this is where it makes yuck. no sense. That alone should be enough to just say, no, you lose. No, you lose. <laughs> well, your but, depth is better oh. than his depth. But. Oh yeah.
1: Like, Trey Lance is a laughable pick.
0: Yeah, I didn't like it. Now, you know, that could backfire. I know uh, he's. Uh, we we teased each other because I got Jimmy Garoppolo last year in our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Trey Lance was the first overall pick. Jeff traded up to the 101 and took Lance over Lawrence, and uh, that yeah, didn't oh work out God. so well for him. But, you know, he said he wasn't worried about last year. He was rebuilding last year. But uh, any positive news I see on Jimmy G staying in San Francisco and playing, I make sure I text it to him about three times a day <laughs> just to get the panic levels up. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of high draft picks and speaking of these guys and where they might work out, the NFL draft is coming up, Folk Maniacs, Just like Tyler said, it starts on Thursday. If you're listening when this episode is posted, that's today. It's on tonight. Make sure you tune in. It's happening in Las Vegas. Um, and... If you're like myself, you're kind of a casual fan of college football, but uh, you know I put a lot of time into NFL watching and, and looking at uh, what happens after the games and that, and I can't commit quite the same amount of time. So it's always good at this time of year uh, to kind of brush up on some of the names So, that you know who you're looking at, these skill position players that are going to be future fantasy assets. These are guys we could be talking about for a long time, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up and how they pan out. So, what do you say, Tyler? Let's take a look at uh, some of the young guns and our NFL draft preview.
1: With the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft,
0: Fantasy Football Young Guns. Ooh, Thanks for watching my car, Rook. All right, so at quarterback this year, like we mentioned up at the top of the show, it's a little bit thinner than it has been. Um, you know, we have a few guys that are projected to go mid to late first round, and then a few other guys that are projected to be second or third round picks. But the first name on the list, and uh, one of the guys who looks maybe the most ready to step in, is Malik Willis from Liberty. Uh, he is fast he's got quick feet and he can move down the field he's not afraid to take off and run he has shown that he can make throws at all levels now his his pass protection struggled so he was scrambling quite a bit in college um, but even on the move he can make those he can make those throws kind of the way that Russell Wilson did early in his career. Um, he's not afraid to tuck the ball and take off and find that space. He's really good at escaping pressure, which is a good trait sometimes in a rookie quarterback because a lot of times they're going to a poor team and you want uh, you want him to stay up on his feet. Um, But one of the things that's really going to help him, I think, in the NFL is he has a good quick release. He can do it over the top or sidearm and get the ball out of his hands quickly. And he's one of those kind of electric playmaking mobile quarterbacks, um, which we've seen is kind of a cheat code in fantasy football because you get those rushing yards built up as well. So Malik Willis is definitely a name uh, that you want to keep an eye on. And one of the other names and this, you know, he played at Pitt University and there's rumors that the Steelers may look his way if he's on the board is Kenny Pickett. And I would not be disappointed with this at all. He's expected to go in the late first round. He's got great arm strength. Um, really good at sensing pressure around him. He moves his feet around in the pocket to keep the play alive, but keeps his eyes down the field and he can deliver the ball anywhere. He can make those, those quick, you know, safety net passes, or he can uh, launch it down the field and, and kind of drop it on a dime. So I'm really excited to see this guy more of a traditional quarterback, uh, great touch on the ball. And I wouldn't be disappointed at all if he
1: showed up in the black and gold. Uh, unfortunately for you, Kenny Pickett will probably go to Carolina and, but, how? but, <laughs> I believe that Malik Willis will be a Pittsburgh Steeler by the end of Thursday. Woo. So would you be happy with him? I would be. It would be a change, you know,
0: uh, mobile is not the word I would use to describe our quarterback of the last 18 years, Big Ben, but, uh, you know, like it, Cordell would certain, Stewart it would be we more went. like Cordell Stewart. That's right. It would
1: be like slash 2.0. Yeah, there you go. That's not too bad. Uh, rounding up the quarterbacks um, that are not – like I don't, these guys aren't – they, they're generally not first-round graded quarterbacks, but because it's such a needy league, just tough to find 32 starting quarterbacks. These guys uh, are going to sneak in the first round. And the last one is probably Matt Corral. Uh, Carl's quick decision making but doesn't seem to rush things he lets uh, plays develop as needed pulls the trigger in a timely fashion to get the ball where it needs to be he's a strong leader he's a strong competitor gets the team behind him and he just moves he does that like four yards five yards moving in the right direction just moving forward just moving forward um, I don't know like how I would feel if the Lions have two picks they got a, a second pick and they have the 30 second pick and then they have the second pick in the second round I wouldn't mind I wouldn't be upset if they took a Matt Corral or a Malik Willis. Um, if they use their second pick on a quarterback, I'm going to burn <laughs> the city of Vancouver to the ground, just because that's where I am. What did
0: they ever do? Yeah, there, that's Jeez. where I am.
1: Um, but Matt Corral could be a strong quarterback uh, in this league. Uh, others to watch are Desmond Ritter. There's a good story behind Desmond Ritter if you choose to Google him and look in. He's probably a second-round, third-round quarterback. Uh, the same with Sam Howell out of North Carolina. Also probably a second-round, third-round guy that sneaks up there. Um, again, it's not a great quarterback year this year, but uh, th- they will sneak up just based on need at the position. And Carson Strong in Nevada probably rounds out the the top six in the draft this year. Uh, moving to running backs, also weak. Also, it's a very defensive-heavy Draft this year to defense and wide receivers, but to get into the running backs right now, we got Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He's got power, hits the hole hard, finds room when he can um, past the line of scrimmage. Effortless stutter steps, changes direction extremely quickly. Um, he kicks into a surprising second gear um, that most defensive players seem caught off guard by. He can break tackles, he can uh, juke, he can beat many in a foot race. Um, he's got a nose for an end zone. He's probably the safest running back out there. Um, also, super importantly, is that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, it he I don't think he's a first round talent, but uh, or he yeah he probably is going to be the first maybe only running back to go in the first round. Um, after that is Kenneth Walker the third. And if you are a fan of the Michigan Wolverines, this name is probably going. How do I know that? How do I know that name? It's because he destroyed us when we played <laughs> Michigan State. Uh, Kenneth Walker III, I think he had, I, I off the top of my head, I might be wrong, so don't quote me on this or come at me on Twitter or whatever, but I think he had five touchdowns against the Michigan Wolverines when they played against him. Uh, he figures to be the probably the second back uh, taken, uh, wasn't used much as a receiver in college, struggled with pass blocking as well, which is huge in the NFL. So if he does fall down, that's probably the reason. Traditionally, that would, uh, seem a limiting factor in fantasy, but in the new NFL, it's also so rare to find a true third down or three down back. Um, so he's not too much of a concern when it comes to that, but, um, he has great power and burst should be able to jump into whatever offense selects him. He just has to make his, he has to work with the offensive line to find that block. Mm -hmm. um third running back isaiah spiller if you watch him he's actually very electric texas a&m player uh doesn't stand out as a nfl superstar but does possess the piece pieces of potential three down back he's got size he's six foot one he's 217 pounds good hands he can block he can run over people uh if he breaks that first tackle he can build a head of steam makes him hard to bring down Uh, The guy just, he works off contact and he only gets stronger from there. He is uh, amazing to watch. If your team picks him up in the third or fourth round, maybe in the second round, uh, it's a guy that you'll be happy to have on your team.
0: Yeah, he. If you check out his, uh, you know, his highlight reel from college, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah. exciting football to watch. Um, you're right about Walker. Like I, you know, living where I am, right on the border with Michigan, we get a couple of Detroit uh, sports talk radio stations, and leading up to that game, all the talk was. The Wolverines have to contain Walker. The Wolverines have to contain Walker. And coming out of that game, it was this guy ate us alive. I think he went for 200 yards and five touchdowns in that game. Um, you know, the Trace. entire the entire game plan was about stopping him. And he just kind of laughed and did, you know, had the game of his life, basically. Didn't know um, he wanted. He yeah. looked
1: like a man amongst boys. Yeah,
0: exactly. All right, couple a uh, couple more big names to watch. One is Damian Pierce from Florida. Hard to tackle. Those are the three words that describe Damian Pierce. Teams love to stack the box. He was kind of like the Derrick Henry of college football this year. They just filled it up and said, yeah, go ahead, run on us. And he said, okay. And he put his shoulder pads down and he would break through the first level, the second level, the third level, and then leave some poor safety trying to tackle him. Um, In a game when they were playing, you know, rivals Florida State, he actually lost his helmet on like the five yard line and had two guys standing on the goal line. And he still just put his head down, even with whistles going, he put his head down and tried to run over these two guys. So he's a little bit crazy, but he's the right kind of crazy that you want in a running back. Um one thing that was awesome to see this year though was as much as he loved to just go up the middle and use his big size to knock people over, Florida loved to give him just kind of traditional outside toss plays. So line him up in an eye formation and then pitch it out to him. And he doesn't have, you know, the great shiftiness that you see um from like a Brees Hall, but he has some speed and he takes a hard line to the sideline. Now that part might not translate as well to the NFL where the game speed is just faster and those outside linebackers have, you know, elite speed and can cut him off, but he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to try and get that outside edge. And once he gets there, he digs his shoulder in and turns upfield hard and then he's hard to bring down. He can catch the ball out of the backfield too, uh, which is a big plus for him for sure. And the last main guy that we want to talk about is uh, actually of the five. One that I probably saw the most live action from uh, playing for Notre Dame this year. That's Kyron Williams. He's a little bit smaller than the other backs on this top five list. Uh, he's five foot nine, one ninety four um but even with that he was massively production productive in his last 2 years at college he had back to back 1000 yard seasons he has good hands he can catch the ball um but really the big thing with him is just watching him he stops and starts and finds holes um he has the patience to he hits the gap hard pauses for a second, finds that little sliver of daylight and then gets through it. So many times he looked like he was down and the play was over and then all of a sudden he slipped through three defenders and and he's gone. Um, He's got lightning fast quickness. He's got good speed when he finds the open field. Um, He's less likely to try and run somebody over. He's more likely to kind of get a defender to tie their feet up. Um, but he's an effective playmaker with the ball in his hands. And uh, I think that there's going to be more than one NFL offense hoping to add uh, Williams this year in the draft. There's some other players to watch. Brian Robinson Jr. from Alabama. James Cook from Georgia. Uh, Rashad White from Arizona State. Uh, Joshua Corbin from Florida State. And uh, Tyler Algier from BYU. All of these guys are projected to go uh, probably in the first four rounds um and you know you never know with these guys I, I, I think both of us have been playing fantasy football for so long tyler you hear these names you see them come and go every year in camp there's these rookies that you know get talked up the one that always sticks in my mind because it was my brother's very first year of fantasy football and he spent we had a one-round rookie draft in this league and he took Bishop Sankey. Bishop Sankey was going to be the new hotness in Tennessee. And uh, Yeah, exactly. If you're listening and thinking, who? Uh, Go ahead and look him up, because he he was supposed to be the new hotness, and instead he was the new notness. And that's what happens sometimes. Some of these guys don't work out. Sometimes their name disappears for a couple seasons, like Rashad Penny, and all of a sudden they get their shot, and there you are. Um, But I'm excited to see where these guys end up, because... Talent is one thing, but everybody in the NFL is talented. A lot of it has to do with the situation you find yourself in. Absolutely. So the wide receiver position, as far as the three main offensive skill spots, this is where this draft actually has quite a bit to offer. Um, And especially in today's game, right? It's more passer-friendly. Wide receivers are coming out of college having played a couple of years in a pro system. It's not like it used to be where it took so much time to acclimate to the speed. And we've seen over the last two years, especially um, Justin Jefferson in 2020 and Jamar Chase in 2021. These guys aren't just succeeding. They are stars, not to mention, you know, Jalen Waddell and uh, Elijah Moore with the Jets. Like there are players that are breaking into the scene with in a big way um, and are going to be stars for a long time to come. So number one kind of across the board is Garrett Wilson from Ohio state. Um, He's like, he's pretty much considered the top wide receiver prospect He's just got productivity at all levels. He can do it all. The teams can get him involved right away in the short passing game. He does pose a threat down the field. He's got great body control. He can come back on the ball. Um, he's got great quickness, which is essential to get that separation. It's it, The one area that rookies still do struggle with is trying to physically get separation on the line of scrimmage. But if you've got quickness and footwork, You can freeze your defender for a moment. And once he gets the balls, he's got great breakaway speed. He goes out of his way to create, to manufacture those yards uh, after the catch every play. The next wide receiver on our list is Jamison Williams from Alabama. Um, He actually was an Ohio State Buckeye, but... You know, found himself behind Garrett Wilson and found himself behind another player that we're going to talk about today. He only had 15 targets in two years, so he transferred over to Alabama and uh, kind of showed the Buckeyes what they were missing because he had over 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns last year. He is an incredible deep threat player, um, but he's also able to make plays on shorter targets. He can catch the ball in space and uh, and make defenders pay. Now, the one red flag with Williams is he's going to miss some time at the start of this season. So in redraft leagues, he's not a player you want to be targeting. He tore his ACL in January during the College Football Championship. Uh, he's reportedly ahead of schedule, but you know, this is kind of like an Odell Beckham situation as a rookie where, you know, you're not going to have him at the start of the year when he comes back, it may take some time to acclimate. It may take some recovery time. It could slow him down, but in dynasty and deep keeper leagues, um, Jamison Williams, definitely a name, uh, that you may be looking for on draft day. You might even get a deal on him because of the injury. And the last guy that I'm going to talk about here, uh, USC Trojan, Drake London. Um, so I don't know how you feel, Tyler, but when some of these guys play, like Antonio Gates, and oh, since every, Gates. every time oh. they touch the Tony ball Gonzalez. or line up, Tony Gonzalez, did you know he used to be a basketball player? Like if I hear Chris Collinsworth say the word basketball player yeah. one more time, well, if I hear him say any word, to be it's, honest, yeah. I'm going to vomit in my mouth. Mute, mute him. But Drake London, you know, this guy for the next 15 years, you could be hearing them talk about how he was a basketball player for USC. Um, But he was also a football player and a pretty darn good one at that. He had 88 catches for 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns last year. Pretty respectable. And he also did that in only eight games. He actually broke his ankle in October. So his first eight games, he went for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. He's recovering. This was last October, so he should be just fine by the time training camp runs around. And uh, this is a player that has stated he is looking to kind of explode onto the scene with whoever he ends up with in the NFL draft. Um, He may be limited a little bit, but the long-term potential with, with London is huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And all three of those guys that you just mentioned have the potential to go... like ahead of each other I know that right now the only thing that Garrett Wilson is kind of got advantage over these other two guys is is that he's been able to stay healthier Mm -hmm. Um, but don't be surprised if Jake uh, Drake London goes first or Jameis Williams goes first it's an offense will choose what these guys are more specifically better at Um, and this is the difference between um, the running backs and the wide receivers in this draft it's a very defensive and wide receiver draft and the running backs we mentioned earlier, I don't think any one of them is going to go in the first round or deserves to go in the first round. One might creep into it, but all five, and even the guys that are on the to watch that I'm going to talk about in a second, all five of the guys that we're talking wide receivers are going to go in the top, like in the first round, in the top thir- like twenty five, maybe even the top fifteen. Mm-hmm. The reason that like uh, Tyreek Hills are so indispensable now, and the Devonte Adams are so in in. Uh, Dispensable now is because the wide receivers that are coming out in this draft, there's teams that there's enough of them where they can get one of these guys in the first round. Um, and the next guy we're going to talk about is Chris Olave, who's also from Ohio State. Probably going to go top 15. Uh, he's another buck Buckeye. Uh, Olave, he's got great route running, uses footwork to create separation off the line, speed to maintain it averaged over 15 yards per catch over his first four years and finished with a school record for receiving touchdowns with 35. Explosive, explosive, explosive vertical threat with big play potential. Uh, him and Garrett Wilson across from each other were a nightma- nightmare matchup for teams, and uh, these, both these guys are going to succeed in the, in the NFL. Both ran a 4.38 and a 4.39, I believe, in their 40 times, which is quick. Um, And then Traylon Burks, who probably will fall to those Green Bay Packers that we've been talking about earlier. Uh, Out of Arkansas, Burks is an effective weapon uh, when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, Very much a yak-type guy, a Cooper Cup-type guy. Uh, Physical receiver who's hard to bring down at 225 pounds thrives on those yak yards, those yards after catches. Um, He can line up around the offense. He can be in close to the line. He can be out wide. Um, he could take a serious role sooner rather than later, specifically if he makes it to that Green Bay Packers team who is desperate for a number one wide receiver right now. Um, others to watch, George Pickens out of Georgia. If you watch the, the, um, any of the playoffs in the NCAA, you know who this guy is. Might go first round. Jahan, uh, Yoh, Jahan or Jahan Dotson from Penn State might go first round. Uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan, uh, Roundup, who we have here to look out for. All of those guys are going to go in the top two rounds, which is why it was so, it seemed weird that there was so many wide receivers moving teams this year. is because the teams know that they can, they can get these guys in the draft this year.
0: Well, that's it, right? You're willing to you're willing to let those big name guys walk. And also it, it is a money thing. You can get these yep. guys now and you don't have to spend two or three years waiting for them to slowly emerge. You can find that diamond in the rough or, you know, not even that rough, just that just that diamond bling bling coming out of the draft that can step into your team. Like a guy like Traylon Burks coming in a big physical receiver at 225 pounds. He can hold his own. He can match up with defensive backs and win those ball battles. That might be Mm -hmm. exactly what they're looking for. And, and, you know, it's all situational. If he ends up in green Bay, that's great. If he ends up with, you know, the Carolina Panthers, hmm, probably not so great. Um, oh, I can't wait for the draft, man. Now, I have a serious question before we get to the two-minute drill. What do you think the odds are that one of these players gets drafted on Thursday and then by the end of the weekend is in legal trouble because the draft is happening in Las Vegas?
1: Oh. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go 0%. Uh, I think that the, what like it's a different it's a different world we live in like these guys know about this stuff now it's not like when when we were younger there was no social media there was you li- you grew up and you lived in the town that you were raised in because there was you didn't see enough things to go out and try different things where so if you get drafted back in like the 90s or early 2000s you're like, oh I'm in a new city it's crazy it's awesome these guys have been around. They've seen what life can be like. They have money managers, they have all this stuff. So I don't know, man, I want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt now and be like, zero percent, this is going to be a nice, clean, crisp draft year for these guys oh i hope you're right but man. vegas I... is attempting everybody Ugh. vegas is very tempting
0: and these guys already have money right these guys these yeah. are these guys are coming out of the first uh the first group to already be getting paid big money
1: in college um for their well, luckily they whatever, won't be right? They won't be getting those checks the day they walk up to shake uh, shake hands with the <laughs> That would be like, here's cash. Would you guys like cash or check? Yeah. Cash? Okay. Just chips. Give it, give it too care- many yeah. casino <laughs> chips.
0: Oh, boy. You know, that's a good way for Vegas to get their salary back, actually. They should put a roulette table in the locker room. There you go. Also,
1: having Vegas in sports is a
0: great thing. It is. Now, you know, I don't want to get back to baseball. This isn't a baseball podcast, but uh, the the Oakland uh, management team was making people a little bit upset. They were kind of saying, well, you know, if you don't like it, you can leave. And, and if we don't like it, maybe we're going to leave. But uh, having hockey and football already there, they can be pretty choosy now. There's no rush for them to add another team um i'm interested to see i think probably i honestly would guess probably nba first over baseball but uh it's pretty sweet and it lets you you know it lets you plan a trip
1: with a whole new element to it if you can match up with a couple of games absolutely and anyone in i'm obviously any listener who's listen before I'm I live in Vancouver so anybody who talks about oh yeah Vancouver might get a team again I'm like no Vegas is the next team that happens in the NBA yeah and you're not wrong like Oakland the Oakland Athletics and the MLB they played the Baltimore Orioles last week they only had 2,000 fans in the seat how can that be that's pathetic
0: there are high school teams that get that much just to watch their practice I don't yeah I don't understand it. I don't.
1: They don't spend the money. Like, there's there's no bottom. We can get into baseball, but there's no bottom yeah. salary on the baseball. There's not money that you have to spend. And that is, the, like, the Orioles and the, and the Oakland Athletics, when they played, oh, both I, both teams yeah. had $90 million combined between them in players, whereas the Yankees have that on two guys.
0: Yeah, and that's fair, I guess. But, like, you know, the old London Tigers used to get more than 2000 out to watch their games back in the day. Like, come on. Yeah. Get it together here. Moneyball's moneyball, but this is like Monopoly Moneyball.
1: You need the fans (laughs) there.
0: All right. Well, before we head out here, uh, we do have one more thing to get to. As always, we're going to finish off with the two minute drill.
1: It's time for the Fantasy Falcon football two minute drill.
0: So we're going to keep this one real simple, Falkmaniacs. We are going to throw it all the way back to our opening kickoff because we want to hear from you on the issue of robo-reffing. Should the video review, should the video sensors be a full-time staple in sports? Should there be eyes on every player in the NFL, every play? Should offside sensors be used in the NHL and the NFL? Should the strike zone in baseball become laser sharp? Or do you think that removing the human error element takes the heart out of the game? Write in, email us, fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. Message us on Twitter and Instagram, at falconmaniacsfootball. Leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. Let us know where you stand on this. Tyler, it's always a pleasure having you on here, man. Um, you know, I can't. I'm already looking forward to the next time whenever we can get you. It's uh, it's great to to pick
1: your brain and hear your thoughts on all these things. I've I've only got one thing left to say, and that is the city of Detroit. Brad Holmes, our general manager, Dan Campbell, our head coach, just just this week, just this week. Please, <laughs> please believe in Jared Goff. Please believe in Jared Goff. We have so many other holes. Jared Goff is the guy. He's the guy this week. Please don't draft a quarterback.
0: And Vancouver Fire Department maybe be on hand just in case they lines things up. All right, thanks a lot, Tyler. Make sure, Fulcomaniacs, uh, like we mentioned off the top of the show, go ahead and check out the Pit Stop podcast. It's Tyler's other show. Uh, They've got a new episode out uh, today when we're recording on Tuesday, Emilio-Romagna Grand Prix, Formula One at its best. Make sure you check those guys out. They do a great job. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week with a review of the NFL Draft. Uh, Have fun watching playoff basketball. Have fun watching the end of the regular season for NHL. Checking out MLB. It's a magical time to be alive. And above all, don't forget to set your falcon lineups. Woo!